Welcome back to another hour of Scotch Hour. I'm Noah. And I'm Jesse. All right, this evening we have episode 127, uh, the scotch that we will be, uh, I guess, uh, tasting or checking out is the uh, Arbeg Bizarbecue. Bizarbecue. And then we'll do our shout-outs and get-it-togethers first, and then our restaurant review being Isla, Isla Verde. Isla shit. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> and then we'll do our Smarter Challenge being a review of what we do in the shadows. Um, before we get started with the Scotch Review, thank you to all of our YouTube and Rumble subscribers, as well as all of our audio podcasts. Uh, platform listeners, uh, we greatly appreciate all of you. And uh, please like, share, subscribe, and leave some comments down below. We like to hear from you. Guys. Scotch review. This week, Scotch of the Ardbeg Bizarbecue uh, with that. Ardbeg, a scotch we've frequented many times on this show. Uh, it's an Isla single malt scotch. This one's at 50.9% alcohol by volume. A couple things to remember with Isla. Isla is, if you're looking at Scotland, it is on the west side, off to the west. And a little island, not so little, one of the bigger islands, uh, just below Jura. And on that island, on the southeast side so between the mainland and the sea we have many a distillery especially Ardbeg but also Lagavulin and Lafroig, uh, known for the ocean beating off the opposite side of the island creating a spray saline spray saltwater brine that uh, falls upon the uh, earth and provides quite a nice peaty experience one of the things about this particular scotch is they are emphasizing it is perfect for a barbecue uh, with that uh, you start with a hair-brained idea you bring together three unique casks two masters in their own right and a whole lot of heat and smoke we're curious what that heat's going to be the smoke should be pretty obvious what do you get you get the distillery's ardbeg's first ever barbecue inspired whiskey ardbeg bars barbecue cooked up with renowned master distiller dr bill lumsden alongside bona fide god of the grill christian stevenson aka or also known as dj barbecue this mouth watering malt packs a meaty peaty punch i'm pretty excited with some of the things i've heard and read about this scotch i think it's going to be a w for win uh the same way it is with grilling there's only one vital element in creating our first barbecue inspired malt and that is fire. So they toast a selection of three casks, uh, double charred those oak casks. Pedro Ziminez sherry cask and barbecue cask. Now, what the hell does that mean? Are they like, lathering barbecue sauce on it? Just might be doing that. I don't know. <laughs> this combined recipe comes together to bring a sweet, tangy, smoky flavor, perfect for barbecue. And I am very excited to try this single malt scotch. 
I'm also excited to try this single malt scotch. I think it's going to be uh, quite the <laughs> smoky adventure or experience, if you will. Uh, the one thing I, you know, I, I really don't understand, like, why some of these, like, nicer bottles or, like, these uh, special uh, expressions are coming without uh, their tins or boxes uh, nowadays. And I, I find that kind of disappointing in it. In a way, uh, but before we even, I guess, kind of dive too much more into that type of stuff, our <laughs> um, big does do uh, their tours change from season to season. So for this, uh, for the summer of 2023 season, uh, their schedule runs from uh, June 5th to August 31st of 2023. And then they have their classic production tour. This gives you a detailed tour. Looking at the distill, uh, distillate, uh, distillery. Uh, yeah, well, distillation, distillation process at the distillery. Thank you. Untied, <laughs> and uh, he'll be able to uh, try out uh, three drams from their core range, starting with the Arbeg ten year old, and then you get to choose uh, two uh, other drams while you're there. Uh, this is a uh, this costs twenty five USD. Uh, so $25 at, or about 20 quid or great British pounds. Uh, then they got this dram at the dam, which actually sounds pretty cool. Sounds way cool. Uh, so what they do here with the dram at the dam, it's uh, about two and a half hours long um, at 65 great British pounds and 83 USD. And what they do is they provide the picnic. So they provide food and the drams. Uh, to drink, but what you do is you go on a hike to the water source that they use at Arbeg, and then you uh, get a kind of like a guided tour of the water source, or, or and then they kind of explain about the water source there and all that stuff. And uh, under 18 is allowed for this particular one because it is a picnic, uh, but they do say that uh, since the weather can change quite frequently, that uh, they can cancel it on short notice. But you're going to also want to have, like, uh, good hiking shoes in order to do this uh, particular tour. and uh, But it sounds like a really good time of being able to, like, you get a walk, hike across the property and uh, go see the uh, their wa- main water source, which is called, and I'm going to butcher this totally, <laughs> Lock Eric Non-Beast. I don't know. Sounds right to me, Lock Eric Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> nailed then, it <laughs> nailed it uh then they got this other one called uh cask samples in the warehouse three uh this one lasts about an hour and 15 minutes no one under the age of 18 is allowed in this one it is 64 dollars or 50 great british pounds this is a guided tour to be enjoyed in the warehouse along with your guide uh, so this one here, you, you're getting to uh, see the famous Warehouse 3 surrounded by barrels, butts, and barquettes and sample some incredible whiskey straight from the casks. <laughs> uh, and then lastly, uh, they have a new still house that they've uh, recently built or in, the, or in a, or I guess, kind of like finishing up, if you will. But it's called the Sneak Peed. And dram in the new still house. So here, uh, it's uh, lasts about thirty minutes. Costs thirteen USD or ten uh, Great British 
pounds. But you basically you basically get to go inside the new still house and check it out as they kind of tell you some information about the still house and drink a dram while you're checking it out. It sounds like that's going to be a PD dram. Uh, might be, <laughs> but I think out of all these, like um, you know, the classic production tour it would be kind of cool just to see the production and how it's all done, and and see like what makes our bag our bag because that's they they said that they'll go a little bit into that as well on that one. But really, I, I think the uh, the dram at the dam sounds like the, probably about the funnest time. Absolutely, who wouldn't want like some great food and uh, great scotch that the distillery put together for you to try at their main watering source. Sounds like a great date. Right? <laughs> Sounds like a damn good time. Damn good time. Pun damn intended. damn good time with some jams. That's right. Just one jam. <laughs> what, we can't multiple jams? Oh, hell no. <laughs> damn. <laughs> All right. With that, as we progress back to the scotch and a dram good time. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, first thing I do have to say, I love the bottle. I love the bottle. I love what they've started doing with the tops. A little bit of differentiation with the last few, but still standing true to a little bit of what I'm going to say and assume is their Gaelic heritage there. I love the label with the grill on there, steaming and smoking and fired up. I do not love that it doesn't have a tin or a box. God damn it, Arbig, throw us a bone. <laughs> uh, but with that, it's great. Um, I kind of wish they would have gone the extra inch and given us that box with the story. Uh, I was really super excited <laughs> with the Ardbeg, where we got to have a dram good time and see a little bit about the story line uh, and a mystery of which I assume will be a range of scotches over several years. So this one didn't have like a link to the website like the last one did? No. Oh, that's a bummer. I know. But... I still love the bottle. I love the colors. They did, like, imagine how far they could have gone if they had done that same thing and done a QR code and maybe given you a recipe for a steak, some Ooh. sauce, something. Like, they could have nailed it. They still may with the scotch itself, it's, but, but it's, they kind of missed. Yeah, it's funny that you say that because there is one other kind of like, it's not really a tour. But uh, it's something that they talk about there, and they do list it with their tours, is that um, Arbeg, uh, they talk about using Arbeg with, like, cocktails and food. So, Which seems like a sin to me, unless it's the uh, wee beastie. <laughs> fucking yeah, well, makes the shit out of that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe one day we'll revisit the wee beastie. <laughs> oh, but... we've got to. Uh, at some point when we revisit another version of Frankenstein, most likely. <laughs> Uh, but with that, you know, I don't have much else to say before we dive right into an Ardbeg, which I don't believe will disappoint. I think this is going to be a win. I hope so. We'll find out. All right. Well, with this, they do their traditional foil here as opposed to the plastic top. I do like uh, the foils they've been using more recently. I call it condition. Traditional because <laughs> tongue tied, uh, because that's what I think is more normal for most of the scotches we enjoy. A uh, nice, thick, 
easily torn accurately foil that means a lot it's in the details the devil is in the details it is a plastic top but it does have the ard big a pressed or molded into it gloss at the back and matte at the front as we open her up ooh, immediately i get a sweet Actually, I do get a sweet barbecue smoky mist. Um, super exciting at uh, the prospects there. It's damn good color. <laughs> Hell yeah. Is that a gremlin down there? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Future podcast. <laughs> gremlins everywhere again plastic topper but well done with the ardbeg a uh, press <laughs> press molded solid cork and to me that still means a lot whether it's a wine or a scotch or any alcohol um, there is something fantastic about that to me people who take pride in the materials they're using for their presentation this color is awesome it looks it <laughs> all right so uh off to our uh warp speed and our our tasting notes cheers cheers Barbecue by Ardbeg. Man, this is actually a treat, a surprising treat. Uh, and I don't know why I should consider it a surprising treat because almost everything that Ardbeg has, uh, has made that we've tried and reviewed on our show, I believe we've liked almost every single one of them except for the Wee Beastie. And right here, right now, I'm going to say Arbeg has not let us down at, at all with this uh, this special release uh, expression from them uh, that's supposed to, I'm not really sure if it's to celebrate barbecues or to uh, uh, give it like a shout out, I guess, to maybe to like those pit masters out there or whatever. But I can see having like, Drinking this and standing by a barbecue and enjoying and having a great time, having a dram while uh, while smoking some great meat or even like uh, grilling some great meat. So to begin with, I think right away, well, right away when you start off with just a presentation on the bottle, I really love the front label. It speaks out to you about smoke and the fire that you need to make a great barbecue or you know a dish and like you have the colorings going like it looks like red and orange and yellow on the sides of the label i i really dig it i like it and i dig it a lot however for presentation i only gave it three out of five for two reasons one there is no tin or a box and two they went with a plastic topper instead of a wood topper and i really would have preferred to see wood and i would have really preferred to have seen them have a tin or a nice box that would actually complement this bottle the bottle itself is what you expect from our it's 
nice. It's green. It has the embossed or whatever uh, Arbeg uh, A on there. Uh, which I think is great. I like. I love all those things. Uh, I would have also would have preferred them to do, do what you mentioned earlier and having that UPC code to like uh, expound upon the story of this uh, particular dram that we are having here. Uh, kind of like what they did with the previous uh, one that we did, which was the heavy vapor. Um, so um, once again, presentation, I give that three out of five. But because of like this whole like theme of barbecue and burnt wood uh, that you need uh, when you smoke a good steak or or uh, brisket or even when you have a when you're out there grilling, um, the color reminds me oh. of that very much. So I put here that the color is a dark, rich amber. Almost reminds me of the embers from a. Uh, from a log in a fire, which I think is great. I love the color. The color is great. Hopefully, uh, I didn't see anything saying that they added any color, which hopefully they didn't because I love this color right here. So I give that a five out of five. Now, moving on to the palette. Wow. Uh, I love this palette. I can sit here and smell it all day long. Um, and uh, the bouquet to this is... Uh, Intriguing, complex, and uh, at the same time, that it has a slight delicacy to it, which I really enjoy. Um, here, I put it has a sweet maple bacon with hints of citrus, floral notes, uh, hints of brine, and next day burnt wood mm -hmm. from a campfire. Uh, and... It's it's funny too because that was my initial notes on that, but as we have uh, like from the time that we opened the bottle till now, uh, it's probably been about twenty minutes, and I also started getting some slight hints of cocoa in there too, which I really enjoyed to go along with that nose. Uh, the nose I scored it wasn't my highest mm -hmm. score, but it was my second highest score, which is twenty eight out of thirty. Going on to the palate, I had, for me, it starts off nice and sweet, uh, almost like a sweet molasses that coats your mouth, giving it a creamy sensation with hints of smoke, clove, and cinnamon. I really dug this. Uh, a lot of some of the other reviews that, that I looked at and saw, they talked about how it's kind of like spicy. It has like a spiciness with like some chili in there. So I wasn't sure if I would really like this or not, but I didn't taste any chili on it or any chili pepper or anything like that. But I really did. Like I'm a huge, huge fan of cloves. Uh, <laughs> when I was younger, I used to like to smoke like those clove cigarettes and, uh, you know, kind of like uh, taste, you know, like my lip afterwards. Swisher sweets. Uh, no, they they were called Swisher Sweets. They weren't? No, it's like little, like they look like little cigarette packets and they were all brown, but they weren't Swisher Sweets. <laughs> uh, but anyways, um, I liked, uh, I liked the clothes and, uh, and I like cinnamon and it makes like for a really great, uh, clove and cinnamon. It's almost like, uh, you know, sometimes when you, uh, back, I don't know, maybe when I was younger, I'm not sure, some other people might have experienced it, like when you had some, like maybe like when your grandmother made like uh, ham for like a, a Christmas ham, um, at least my grandmother used to put like uh, some like uh, uh, 
some cloves in there with some cinnamon and mm-hmm. I, I want to say like pineapple and cherries or something. So you got like that sweetness from the uh, that citrus there, the pineapple and like a little bit of the the Mary, Mary Chano cherry. I don't know how you say it. Maricino. Maricino cherries. Um, and uh, that's kind of like what you get here with that kind of uh, sweetness there on the on that palate there. Um, so once again, that's that hint of uh, of the molasses that coats your mouth, giving it that creamy sensation with that hint of uh, smoke, clove, and cinnamon. And um, there is that touch of uh, uh, citrus there, and I'm not really sure what, what is what the citrus is coming from, but uh, as that starts to dissipate off the palate and going into your uh, into my finish here. I get uh, mm-hmm. I get like an explosion of like uh, of the smokiness. So I put here charcoal, burnt wood, uh, with clove and cinnamon, also uh, lingering in a finish with also a nice earthy leather. Uh, so you know the finish, I get like smoky burnt wood, uh, and then that dissipates, and then like the cinnamon and clove uh, makes itself prevalent again. <sighs> And that kind of starts to taper off, and then I get this nice earthy leather fl- uh, flavor that lingers uh, to a great finish. And I forgot to give you guys uh, the uh, points on my palate. That was twenty-eight out of thirty, and I really enjoyed the finish. That's actually my win at really? twenty-nine out of thirty, which gives me a ninety-three total in points. Would I take this? to a black tie affair this is really hard but i'm gonna say no and here's the reason why is because for me if i'm going to a black tie affair which i haven't done for a really long time but if i'm going to do that i want to be a bit showy and i think the bottle itself and the and the scotch itself is showy and something great that you could have at a black tie affair my issue is part of that is presentation and because it because it lacks a box or a tin, I am not going to take this to a black tie affair because I think part of that for me is I want the box, I want the tin, I want to be able to pull it off and show it. You know, it's kind of like having a beautiful woman with you when you go to like a black tie affair. You know, you want that that showiness to go along with it. Uh, and that elegance, and I think, even though it has like a lot of those qualities, just because it doesn't have the right dress, in fact, it doesn't have the dress at all. I'm not going to take it, right? So, what I take Cinderella staying home. <laughs> would I take it to a game night with some buddies? Hell yeah, I definitely would. Um, uh, just because if I'm going to be drinking uh, scotch with some buddies at a game night. It probably means that they also enjoy scotch. So, yeah, I, w- I would take it to share with them. Um, but at, at the same time, because it is a limited release, I would probably want to hoard it and not necessarily take it to a game night. And I do think it definitely has a spot on my shelf uh, to be used and drank and shared with those who would greatly appreciate the complexity yet elegance of this particular scotch. Um, so once again, I gave this a 93 out of a hundred. If you do happen to find it out in the liquor stores or wherever you purchase your, your scotch at, I highly recommend purchasing it. It was roughly uh, $90 where I purchased it at, uh, for our show. So, uh, yeah, I highly recommend this one. 
All right, our big bizarre BQ. Uh, and you mentioned a little bit about this uh, DJ barbecue apparently started this, uh, I'm going to call it a world tour. I don't know if that's truly what it is, but a tour of barbecue competitions and really testing out different types of barbecue uh, probably for himself and then also the world and experience. God, good for him. I mean that fully. And of course, this is one of the end results is a partnership with a distillery. Good for you, Ardbeg, for catching on to this. And why I say that is to me, this scotch is a giant W win or wills, uh, but win. And I have loved it. I agree with you 100%. I'd have given it a four if it had a QR code in the story, something to build upon a, and I don't want to oversimplify it, but it is that simple, a simple bottle and label. Uh, so for presentation, I also gave it a three. I need a box. I, uh, and, and I think the way you put it as well, uh, it can be an overcoat. You know, ZZ Top, sharp-dressed man. Uh, or it can be a dress. And this is missing that final coat, that final layer to take it to that next level. But with that, I do love some of the details. I just wish they would have given it a little bit more. Uh, so for me, presentation three. Color right there with you as well. Uh, and I did make one small adjustment to my score late earlier. The color is a five. There is no doubt about it. It is a deep brass with a hint of red. Love it. It is sexy. And with this, they don't say it, but I am assuming it is non-chill filtered and no color added because they don't need to. Uh, when they were doing the cask and they partnered with DJ Barbecue, apparently, uh, three different types of tasks. We have X, Zimina's, Sherry casks, and they went in there and they charred the hell out of them. And when you char oak, you do get, depending on how much you char it, different flavor profiles and one of their goals was to bring out some of that spice zesty sweetness tang i think they have done just that and i love it uh again five on the color for the nose for me the nose was the win for me the nose is a 29 and man it keeps getting better to me but literally when i smell this scotch it is sexy i feel like this could be put in a bottle and sprayed on as cologne it is that great as far as a scent and i think anyone could wear it and not be totally offensive which is interesting because it is smoky and it does have some of those scents that often violate others noses mm. but for the uh scent the nose i gave it a 29 and on the nose it gets sweet smoky cream um that uh um it's so weird to say that because it's sweet smoky cream with hints of wood uh toffee burnt sugar to me uh, just regular burnt sugar kind of on the top of creme brulee a little bit of that uh pan seared ham that you can put in any number of dishes and then this is the struggle is i don't know if it's 
one or both, but you mentioned cocoa, and I think you're right. I, I was thinking originally espresso, but I think it actually is cocoa that comes out at the end of the nose of this scotch for me. 29, again, sweet, smoky wood, toffee, a little burnt sugar and ham, citrus of pineapple, and that espresso or cocoa. Uh, for the palate, so this is where my adjustment came in. The palate was my other win, also a 29. And uh, the palate is amazing. It totally is. I, it really is. Like, honestly, this should be the win. If I get, was given the nose a 29, this should be a 30, but it's a 29 as well. Creamy, sweet with cinnamon and clove right off the bat. It is strong, and then it transitions to cured leather. Now, for me, cured leather is sexy, um, and that is where the brine also comes out. So, again, it goes from a creamy, sweet, cinnamon clove scented cream or tasting cream to this uh Cured leather and then brine finished with charred oak and a little bit more of that cocoa. That's where the cocoa is absolutely prevalent versus the espresso no-go. The finish goes back to a cured leather flavor followed by, I want to say, smoked cinnamon, like burnt cinnamon, uh, a little hint of clove, and then dry, not the wet stuff anymore, but the dry beached oak mm. and it is divine the finish for me at 27 my score also a 93 because of that um i loved what you said because after you mentioned something about uh, the ham it occurred to me that one of the flavors i'm associating with this is i want my cruise and one of the things they did is they roasted a wild boar, or we'll say pig, wild pig. They roasted a wild pig all damn day on the top deck. And then at midnight, uh, the second night of the cruise, you could come up and get your plate of it. And this is where some of the flavors absolutely that you mentioned come through. And it reminds me of these experiences. You went and got that slice of smoked meat, and they'd been smoking it all day. If you were walking by anywhere near, you could smell the wood smoking this wild pig. And, you know, the, the greasy, almost fat with pineapple and you mentioned the maraschino cherries and there is this little hint of that sweet cherry in this when it comes to the ham portion and it makes it okay i'm gonna say sexy again sexy and sweet um and then as you're eating you know as i was eating this uh and i am a meat eater so anyone who doesn't eat wild boar i apologize but as i was eating this wild pig and the sides were things like pineapple and cherries it all makes perfect sense um the wood is in there it smokes it in it's delicious but that wild pig was so fatty it keeps kept it super tender i don't know where they stuffed the pineapple if they did a hitler or what uh but again things to keep the flavors sweet and juicy and absolutely delicious um so for me the scotch a solid win 
easily a 93. Could potentially be higher. We've talked about this before as they may or may not open up the next days. Would I take it to a black tie event? I think you nailed it with your example. And that is if I'm wearing a tuxedo, if I'm wearing uh, uh, my $9,000 tuxedo into a black tie event, I am not bringing a bottle without a box. Um, unless it's wi- eyes wide shut and you just bring in naked chicks with you. And I think that's a good <laughs> way to put it, right? Because it loses its sex appeal. It's got it in the flavor. And then it loses it with presentation tragedy. So I also would not take it to a black tie affair um, as this. And that's tragic. It is super tragic. Because the scotch is worthy of that to bring in and to slap on a table. If you've got a 10, 10 seat table in a black tie event, it could be a fundraiser. And you're like, guys, let's have a dram as we're all just paid a thousand or $2,000 for our ticket to save children's hospital, whatever that may be. This is a scotch worthy of that. If it had a goddamn box, <laughs> damn box. Um, would I take it to a game night? Yes, I'm assuming anyone I would have at a game night could appreciate a limited edition, super fine scotch. Yes, I would absolutely bring it to a game night. Does it have a place on my shelf? Yes. Here's the scary thing, though. We've done and studied and done the science ourselves. Scotches, very quickly, the more you drink them, age. The flavor changes quickly in days, even after just a fourth of the bottle is gone. It has a different flavor profile. Once you get to that halfway point, the other thing that quickly deteriorates it is ding, 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 light bulb. I wish it had a box or a canister because that's the other thing that would age this. And it's fine for a limited run because if they're only going to have it on shelves for six months, this supposedly was just released in August. I know you got it in July. So uh, cheerio to you because you got it before. We're supposed to be released. Apparently that's one of the things I read August scotch. Um, So seriously, good for you. Good for us. You're sharing it with me. I believe it. It is fantastic. It is a limited run in August scotch. Um, and it is fantastic so yes if i could find a bottle it would definitely have a spot on my shelf however i would absolutely put it in a box not that i don't trust the green glass but light gets through we know this the science does not lie um and with that overall again a 93 i agree with you delicious my points just came in a little bit different i could see this being a cologne dj barbecue you done one with our It's time for our shout-outs. I'm going to give two quick shout-outs. Um, first one, why I wore a, a Ferrari shirt another episode in a row. Ferrari, man, you are taking a beating in Formula One, but you have not backed down. You never have. You started at the front. Uh, and I, when I say the front, the front of the history You were in it the first year of Formula One, and you have never left, unlike pretty much every other automaker has left. Some of the greats, Alfa Romeo, not in Formula One right now, um, or actually back in Formula One, but take this huge hiatus. Mercedes left and came back. The Silverero decided to take a vacation. Um, Ferrari, you guys have steadfast proven 
What I will say is heart or passion for a sport, not just in Formula One, but man, good for you guys for, and this is where you did leave and come back, Le Mans and kicking ass this year. Um, so thank you for your passion in showing really not just the Tifosi in Italy, uh, but the fans of the world. And really anyone who studies a little bit of history, youth in particular, uh, the, the young generation right now, what it means to be devoted, what it means to give 100%, uh, even when you're damn tired, you keep going every race, every year, every season, winning or losing. And one of my favorite thoughts and, and stories in Formula One is, again, talked about last week, 1979, Jody Schechter won the Formula One World Championship for Ferrari. Took 21 years for Michael Schumacher to do it again in 2000. And still, Ferrari was there every year, even some years, man, terrible, but didn't give up, kept on fighting. And that's important in life is to keep on fighting. My other one, uh, quick, and this uh, just made my day, I don't know, Jordan, uh, if you'll see this HR at my my work, we're not going to mention the name of that work, uh, but I have an anniversary coming up in December, and... She mentioned to me today, because I brought up someone else's anniversary, she's like, I'm so excited for your anniversary, and I'm like, okay, and she's like, I've already started making plans. Still still five months away, four months away now, and to hear her say that was awesome. Um, it was absolutely awesome, so thank you, you made my day. <laughs> Jordan, I appreciate you, cheers. Um, I have one really quick shout out, and this is going to go to Dr. Jen Hel uh, Helper Hayes. Uh, she had an interview with uh, GBN, uh, which is a great British network, I think. Yeah. Uh, and uh, she actually dropped some like historic bombs on people uh, during this interview, which many people may not even know uh, and even realize I even live here in the United States because they don't teach this in our history, which is that after the Civil War, uh, we were no longer a republic and we were actually became a corporation that was actually controlled by the Tri-City uh, States, which is uh, Washington, D.C., Lund the city of London and Vatican City. And uh, back when uh, uh, Trump actually walked in front of the uh, queen, she actually explains what, what the significant was about that, where Trump saw, uh, walked forward and stopped and waited for the queen to follow him. But that was the, the, that was the signal saying that the United States ha is no longer uh, paying taxes to Great Britain for uh, the loans that we took out during our Civil War, thus ending the uh, corporation of the United States, uh, which is basically, it was the start. So we haven't fully... Uh, finished ending the corporation, but that was the start of the end of the corporation. And so she was dropping some huge truth bombs in this interview. So I thought it was really awesome. All right. God damn it. This restaurant takes the crap off the crap. <laughs> I love Verde. It had so much potential going in. Uh, used to be an old Cuban restaurant in uh, Old Town Parker, uh, slightly off of Main Street. 
And it was the epitome of a letdown. Only because, again, I think it had so much potential, but the service just done tanked the toilet. <laughs> so at first, I was really skeptical about going to this place because I had gone there when it was a Cuban restaurant, and I wasn't very impressed with it to begin with. Um, but at the same time, I was trying to find a really great like barbecue restaurant for us to attend to go along with this scotch. And the two restaurants I like researched and was looking up, uh, they both had already gone out of business and stuff after COVID. So I, and I, at this point I was already like, I don't know, searching for about like 30, 40 minutes. And I'm like, all right, I got to get back to work and start working, doing some stuff. So I'm like, fine, well, let's just go to this place. Cause Jesse has suggested it. Uh, and he, I think he got that suggestion from his, one of his coworkers. Yes, it was. Uh, and so from there, what I, uh, you know, we went there, I pulled up, uh, you know, really happy to give this place a shot. I noticed like when I first walked inside, uh, the way they had it, uh, designed inside was totally different, uh, than what it was when it was the Cuban place. And now they actually have a bar in there, which is kind of, kind of cool. Uh, and, uh, when we, we sat outside and they had some, Puerto Rican dishes, a lot of like a lot of it was like plantain base, and I wasn't really sure if I really wanted to eat anything that was plantain based. But uh, we got there during happy hour, so uh, they had uh, the Breckenridge Palisade peach on sale for uh, during happy hour as four dollars a pint, which is a great deal. Then they had uh, empanadas, which uh, if you got, if you remember uh, back in May when I went, when I went out to Phoenix, I mentioned on the air here that there's a really great empanada place called uh, Empanada Republica, uh, where this place all they do is specialize in empanadas. They have like a list of like twenty different empanadas on there, and then like four daily special empanadas, and then they have like dessert empanadas. And the place is like totally bomb, and then like they give you like these like uh, like a sauce to dip the empanadas into. Great, it is a great place, and then. Uh, last night after uh, teaching a uh, life insurance class, uh, I actually met up with my younger brother and, uh, right by his house was this empanada restaurant. So I'm like, Hey, let's go check out this empanada restaurant. <laughs> and even there, that place, uh, they give you a, they give you sauce for your empanada. If you, if you are paying attention to what I'm saying right now so far, I said two different places give you sauce for your empanada. Uh, so when uh, we're here at this place, this uh, uh, Isla Verde place. Isla Verde! Uh, during the happy hour, they had two empanadas for $7. So I'm like, all right, this will be pretty good. You know, empanadas aren't that big. Uh, and four of them would be just fine. And, if they, you know, with the dipping sauce, it would be a great, uh, fairly light summer meal, if you will. And uh, so... Uh, we got the Palisade Peaches uh, pints out right away, so that was great. Uh, the waitress was pretty prompt when we were there, very informative about the uh, about the menu and the different types of uh, foods that they have. And she made recommendation from each uh, category of the of the menu, and um, so I was really looking forward to the empanadas. I chose. Uh, the lion's mane empanada, the shredded chicken empanada, the ground beef uh, empanada, and the shredded beef empanada. Uh, so I was looking really forward to these. And then we, uh, <laughs> and uh, this is where everything started falling off. The shit is the This is where everything went to hell. 
in a handbasket. Uh, <laughs> uh, our empanadas come out. I only get two empanadas. Jesse gets his full meal. He gets all four of his well, empanadas. I got four empanadas, not my full meal. <laughs> oh, yeah, he got four empanadas. I got two empanadas <laughs> and no beer. And like when they were first coming out, and they were setting them down. I, I thought I was getting my uh, get. I was gonna get my other two empanadas right away, but that they never came. But up until that point, <laughs> until I realized that they were never coming, uh, the size of the empanadas were much like almost two times the size of like a normal empanada. <laughs> They're huge because apparently they make everything in-house, the dough and everything like that, which is great. Uh, but um, it had, like, a lot of excess uh, dough. dough. And uh, the way they uh, fried it, it was kind of a little, a little bit over-oily. So yeah, I got... I know both. I think both Jesse and I, but I'll definitely speak for myself. I had to break off some of the dough to uh, remove that excess dough and that that excess oil and stuff. Uh, the ground beef empanada that I had tasted decent. Uh, the uh, shredded chicken, not so much. There was like uh, chicken cartilage in there and and stuff like that. It's so that's, still chicken. Yeah, it's still chicken, uh, <laughs> but it's not shredded meat chicken, so I don't really count that. Um, and then I had to go and ask, like, I had to ask the the uh, the guy who dropped off our empanadas. I'm like, hey, you you you're missing two of my empanadas. Where are they at? So. And he's like, well, what two were they? So I told him which ones I had ordered. And he had just set down the empanada. So he knows which two he gave me. So he should have known, like, which two I needed. Uh, so after a while, my other two empanadas come out. And they're wrong. So finally, with my last empanada, I went in. And I actually talked to our waitress who, like, pretty much abandoned us at this point. And she's just hanging out inside. Yeah, she's just hanging out inside. And I'm she's like, like, normally I bring out my own food, but I just wanted to hang out inside <laughs> and not do my work. Uh, and I had the empanada totally open. I'm like, this is not what I ordered. Like, you guys gave me another shredded chicken one, and I had to order the lion's mane empanada. And she's like, well, what do you want me to eat? She goes, you want a new one? I'm like, I don't even know if I want a new one at this point. And she's like, well, I, I can give you credit for that one and still give you an empanada. I'm like, well, do whatever you think is right. I'm just saying right now, I'm just totally disappointed with this place. And she didn't give you credit at the end of the day. Uh, she, she gave me a $4 credit. Did she? Yeah. I don't know. Redo the math. <laughs> I, I was checking my math on my okay, okay. It, it was There was a $4 credit on there. That's good. So she didn't give me the full like $7 credit, which I, I thought I should have received. Uh, but then, like, so after I got the uh, Lion's Bane empanada, the mushroom uh, empanada, that was actually a really great empanada. It tasted really good. It had great flavor. And while, like, I, as I finished eating my uh, last empanada, um, I ended up spilling half of my uh, beer all over me. So this was just a terrible like experience altogether. Had uh, I didn't get half my meal. When I did get my meal, it was totally wrong. Uh, and then I spilled uh, you know my beer on me, and I just wanted to leave the place. And uh, honestly, if I took the first half of our experience there, I would have given the waits the the waitress a, you know, the first a, a, fourth of the experience. Okay, first fourth <laughs> of the experience. I would have given her probably like an eight or a nine. But really, as the whole thing progressed and went through, um, she was kind enough to give me, you know, uh, four dollars off. She even offered to give me a, a new pint on the house. 
so I'm not going to give her as low as I probably would have, um, which I, I, I want to give her like a three, but I'll give her like a six because she didn't have to uh, offer a free pint to me, even though I was the idiot who spilt it. But um, still, uh, uh, the fact that she like left us abandoned for most of it really should even equate to a three right there. The ambiance uh, and how it's designed and stuff like that, it's not very impressive on the inside, not very impressive on the outside, although it is in the middle of like Old Town Parker, so that's kind of cool, but it's like on a side area of Old Town Parker where uh, basically all you do is you face like uh, apartment buildings and there's also road construction going on, so that wasn't very pleasant either uh, with a bunch of like bees flying around all over the place. So I'm going to give the ambiance probably a six as well. Um, the food, two of the empanadas I had I liked. The other two were terrible. The dish uh, that the the couple who got behind, uh, the dish that the couple behind us got uh, actually smelled phenomenal. I don't know how it tasted, but it smelled really good. Uh, so the food, I'm going to give it a, Six. I'm gonna say this place is like six on the high. Like there's potential it could be better, but I'm gonna give it a solid six. And and it's not as bad as I probably could give it. And I'm being a little bit nicer than I probably should. Uh, but I'm just gonna leave it at six and and just be done. I just want to be done with this experience. I, I'm surprised because you had a far worse experience than I did, and I only am going to give it a total of a five, <laughs> which is in my mind also generous. We walked up. I love Verde. I was actually kind of stoked. Uh, a coworker of mine recommended it. I think it has the potential. And it started out with the potential. Can we sit outside? Yeah, it's perfect day for it. It's like 80 degrees, sun setting, everything's perfect. Happy hour still on. Palisade Peach on tap for $4. Cha-ching, I'm in. Give me one of those. Let me start with that. No questions asked. Beer comes. She goes, brings my beer. Noah brings, wants a beer. Palisade Peach, ching. She goes, she brings it back. Uh, do you guys know what you want? Yeah, man, we're going after this happy hour. So far, it's slamming. We got some of the fried cheese. Uh, the queso frito. This is okay. I actually really enjoyed that. I, I didn't think it was outstanding. Uh, that, to me, was right around the seven range. You got the sweet and the salty however the cheese wasn't actually very salty i want, would have preferred it to be more like cheese curds a little saltier but with the i don't know if it was and you mentioned this maple syrup or something else drizzled upon it uh it was good it wasn't great uh however i that was probably like a seven for that food um the service at this point is a 10 right and then the shit hit the faneth and she has taken our food orders. No orders his four empanadas. I ordered my four empanadas. And I'm super stoked. Noah's super stoked. They bring them out. Except that when Noah ordered his, he's like, hey, she's like, do you want another beer? And he's like, yeah, just bring it out with the empanadas. Empanadas come out. Oh, yeah, I forgot to mention that. Noah's part. no beer comes out. And I'm just like, okay, well, she's probably right behind them. Five minutes goes by. 
10 minutes goes by. We're starting to eat the empanadas because they've cooled down enough. I loved that it was fresh and heated. Oh, that was a, that was great. Um, the environment would have been better if there weren't hornets flying around all over the place, biting everyone around us. But I'll let that go too. However, at this point, I'm like, man, I ordered my beer before the food. Where the hell is this chick? It's been like 20 minutes since we last saw her. Then it was 30 minutes since we last saw her. Then Noah finally is like, where are my other two empanadas? And I'm eating my first one. No one nailed it. Like the lion's head mushroom empanada 10. Then I get to the rest of my food. My shredded beef. It was ground beef. I didn't even like. I was. I didn't even complain. I'm just like, whatever. It's good. No sauce. Whatever. Throwing away tons of crust. Where do we go from there? Like, empanada wrong. Not what I wanted. You're dealing with all this bullshit, and it was bullshit. And then the waitress. You have to go hunt her down. She's just hanging out inside, and then she has the audacity to lie to us. And this is where. This is the first 10% tip I've given in years. I gave this place a 10% tip shit service. Um, Because the service started out as a 10 and ends out as a 3 to me because she lied and said, well, they just bring out my food. They don't let me bring it out anymore. And after you told me that she was just hanging out inside and you went and talked to her, and then she brings out the next one, liar. You run out of beers, liar. Like, done with this place. Not great. The I will say, man, if you're just going for one empanada and you want the lion's mane mushroom empanada, do it. Ten. Go in, get out. Maybe take it to go. You're going to throw away some crust on the outside. The rest of it, delicious. I ordered four of them. I got one lion's head. I got one green chili, not even on the menu. I think it was supposed to be lion's head. I don't know if they were running out of mushrooms or just shitting on me. Whichever it was, didn't appreciate it. Didn't order a ground beef. Ordered a shredded beef. Didn't get that. And at this point, I'm like, whatever. I'm done with this place. Then she screwed up our checks. And second lie. I forgot about that part. Second lie. I specifically, because we always do this, told her, I was like, she's like, here's your total. And I'm, she's like, and I'm like, we want separate checks because that's the word I always use. She's like, okay, I know exactly what you mean. She goes back in, comes back out, screws it up again. Here it is. And we're both looking at it and we're like, this isn't the right total. And I'm honestly, mine should have been higher. It should have been lower. And I'm like, I'm not really complaining, but I know yours should be lower. And I only complain because she was supposed <laughs> to give me a discount. And she hadn't done <laughs> so. a point stands, which is why she did what she did. Say, oh, I'll figure it out. Don't worry, you'll all be right. And bullshit, it wasn't right. Furthermore, mine still wasn't right. I was just done with the place. But with that, she's like, oh, well, you said to split the check. If I had said to split the check, the check would have been split. $22 or $28 versus $48, not split. Definitely not split. So with that, I was like, no, I said separate checks. And she's like, no, you said split checks. And I'm like, nope, I said separate checks. And when that happened, I was like, shit, I don't want to tip you at all. But I'm still going to give you a 10% tip so you can buy the next Coke for your next run. Whatever it may be, you do you. 
And ultimately, for me, uh, would I go there and meet a friend there? No, not after that experience. Would I take a date there? Hell no. Definitely not after that experience. Uh, the value, man. At the end of the day, happy hour, I'm still paying $55 and I didn't eat shit? No. It's three. Uh, service. Started out as a 10 for the first third. Rest of it was a zero. Service is a three. Environment, six. It had a potential. Minus the hornets bugging everyone else in the area. Uh, food total. And this is, this is where it's actually generous because I think had the food all been right, it would have been a five. So that's what I gave was a total of five. Really, ultimately, I'm giving it a five. That's also generous because I've rounded way the hell up. This is an authentic Puerto Rican experience. And when I went to Puerto Rico on my honeymoon, I will say, I feel like them with that title, this is an authentic Puerto Rican experience, is absolutely right. <laughs> it's the anti-destination place. Puerto Rico, if you stay in a sweet-ass hotel, you get a sweet-ass experience. The second that they don't care, it's you literally go from 10 to 0. And it's tragic because I loved Puerto Rico, and then I went to old Puerto Rico, and I was just like, God damn. <laughs> it's cool. It's a flea market. The whole island is a flea market. <laughs> This week's Smarter Challenge was for us to review or basically talk about uh, what we do in the shadows, uh, which could include the movie uh, or the, any of the uh, five seasons of what we do in the shadows TV series. Including what we later find out was started in 2005 as a short story uh, for what we do in the shadows with not all the same people in it. <laughs> Definitely much younger. Nonetheless, right. So, uh, and the, the movie came out in 2014, 2015. Yes. Uh, depending, on, depending on what source <laughs> you look at, uh, the directors and writers were Jermaine Clement and Taiki. What? Well, I don't know. Watiti. Watiti. Taika Watiti. Taika Watiti. Okay. Sorry, I butchered your name, dude. Uh, Jermaine Clement uh, in the movie is one of the main uh, vampires. Uh, his name is Vlad uh, Vladislav. Uh, and uh, this is the original movie. Yes, Watiti. Uh, he plays uh, Viago. Corey Gonzalez, uh, Marcer <laughs> plays Nick, and Johnny Bro, 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 maybe I uh, Bro, uh, plays Deacon. Uh, it's uh, if you've never seen the movie, it's pretty good. Uh, we might mention it here. Uh, the TV series, which is probably what we're—I'm assuming—we're going to probably focus a little bit more on. Uh, it was created by uh, Jermaine uh, Clement, uh, and uh, Kevin Novak plays Dandor. Nandor the Great, right? Nandor the Conqueror. The Conqueror. Nandor the Conqueror. <laughs> it didn't say that in IMBD. So I, I, oh, no, no, no. Wait. I, I actually fucked up. Nandor the Relentless. Oh, yeah, that's right. Nandor the, Nandor the Relentless. And then Matt Berry plays uh, Laszlo Cravensworth. <laughs> Craven. Uh, craving is really what you need to focus on there. Sex is what he craves. <laughs> 
Natasha. Uh, I don't even know how to say her name. Dimitro. Dimitro plays uh, Nadja. Then we have uh, Harvey Gulen plays Guillermo de la Cruz. Mark Proch. Proch. Plays Brooks. Collins, uh, Colin Robinson. God damn it. He plays a perfect Colin <laughs> Robinson. The guy who would love to hate. And then uh, Kristen Shaw plays the guide or the floating woman from the uh, vampire council that they pretty much inherit as a friend or lackey after they, uh, after I think what season three or four when they take over the vampire uh, council, council in uh, New York or Staten Island. Staten Island. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, where would you like to start with this? All right. Well, you know, for me. Should we say what it's about first? I guess. Uh, <laughs> if you guys don't know, spoiler alert, it's been around since, depending on how you want to process it, 2005, definitely 2014, and then five seasons into uh, the fifth season. Later, we're here in 2023, there was a lot going on, and it, the process being and you may or may not agree the movie was great oh, I, I love the movie the series it's took it better. to a another level that the movie can never compete with because you just don't have the time that's the that's the truth of the matter uh but the movie was great and it opened up the doors for this show fifth season in um man where i would start is who are the characters or character, but I assume we both have multiple. And really, it's crazy because I love most of them. Who are the characters you love and why? Okay. Before we jump into that, I'm just going to say real quickly, for those of you who don't know what uh, what we do in the shadows, it is about <laughs> uh, about a group of vampires who live together, and they're doing a mockumentary where they have like a like a documentary crew following, following around these vampires, showing like what they do on their day-to-day lives. It's hilarious. It's supposed to take place in Staten Island. Actually, it's all done by a group that was from New Zealand. New Zealand. Well, the group from New Zealand was like that from the movie, and and the creators of the show. But uh, is that what you're? That's, yeah, uh, that's okay. my only point. Is like, how did this group from New Zealand? Here's a question. As we continue to ruin this, uh, how did this group in New Zealand know how? effed up it can be for a bunch of vampires who are not here's the point not driven <laughs> to, to be relentless or conquer uh to have a mission from a count to take over staten island and ultimately the world and then they're just like yeah we're just living in this house <laughs> chilling it's like they are the millennial version of vampires smoking weed but they don't smoke weed they're just drinking i don't know if, maybe they're just drinking drunken weed blood like they're getting so lazy that they're not they're like we don't want to conquer we want to stay happy here in this little house and not deal with bullshit. <laughs> so, all right, favorite characters. I'm going to have to say probably Naja's doll. Dude. <laughs> She's one of my favorites. Yeah. Was Colin Robinson's until she was just a doll again. <laughs> oh, my God. So, Naja's, so Naja has this doll that uh, has actually uh, been... Uh, Resurrected? Uh, was it? I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> possessed by another possessed, vampire? <laughs> well, I think it's actually possessed by her uh, 
her soul before she became a vampire. So right. it's like her innocent soul. And she's pissed off because she can't, like, she hasn't experienced, like, anything in life. Like, she's never had sex or anything like that. And and she's just a snarky little bitch. And it's kind of funny how she uh, is, like, a version of nausea, but, like, kind of a more of, like, a, a bitchy version, if you will. Uh, or snarky, maybe. I think the snarky version is great. And her comments are just kind of funny of like how she interacts with the group. And it's interesting that you say that because that's the truth is she's just pissed off. She's never been. And it's like any other vampire movie. Anne Rice did it well. Um, and, and the fact that you have a young vampire that never got to grow up and do things like you mentioned, have sex. And it sounds so simple unless you're like fucking 40 or in this case, 300 years old and you've never had sex <laughs> or experienced going on a date or eating a certain food or doing whatever. Yeah. But yeah. So like, I think the doll is pretty funny. I think it just adds like a, a, a new twist. to it. And I think that's why I like that character of the doll of nausea. Uh, but then the other, I, as far as like the main uh, vampires, this really hard, this is really it hard. It is hard because they're all great. <laughs> Yeah, and, and, and because, like, Nandor has some, like, really great spots. But then Laszlo has some, like, <laughs> some, fucked up, uh, some funny spots, too. Uh, and honestly, Colin Robinson, like, his, his character as being, like, an energy vampire where he drains people's energies and feeds off of their emotions and stuff. Uh, it's uh, his character, honestly, like... It wasn't one of my favorites in the first couple of seasons, but Fucking this hate the guy. But this fifth season, <laughs> his character is totally on point, and also the fourth season because, like, in the end of the third season, Colin Colin Robinson dies, but then in the fourth season, he's like a a, a kid. Phoenix re resurrected. Yeah, he resurrects. <laughs> he starts off being born as a kid, and the way that Laszlo takes him into like not just like a vampire, like a nightclub and uses him as like a piano man a piano man <laughs> <laughs> because he's a child it's apparently vampires like children uh uh actor type things and so <laughs> and then you see him go into his like teenage years and he's like living down in the basement where it's like a bunch of water the water main broke and now He's back into the workforce uh, in season five, and then he has to go run for uh, some kind. I think it's like state auditor or something like that, or city auditor. <laughs> and then he has to go see the uh, emotional like uh, vampire council, which no one knew that that knew that there was a, such a thing. And I think just seeing his progression through, the, especially the last few seasons, has made his character like pretty hilarious. It certainly has. Man, it's a tough one for me, too. <sighs> the one character I probably like, like, I like the least is probably Guillermo. That's interesting, because I don't really care for Guillermo either. And he's really the one who saves all their asses constantly. Yeah. Uh, for me, man, I think my favorite character, just because if I could be any of these guys, if I... Okay. I, I shouldn't say if I can be any of these guys. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Before, you I, get to this, before you get to this, <laughs> if, if you asked me if I could be any one of these guys, I would want to be Nandor. <laughs> so that's great. 
for me, my favorite character, though, is it? And I wouldn't want to be Nando. I don't fucking want to be Laszlo. <laughs> <laughs> Laszlo is just like the cool guy. He is. Who's like, no. Except he's like, F you know. That's <laughs> <laughs> <He cuts> bushes. <laughs> he's just like, he is. Of all of them, he's the most modern, right? Like, dressing-wise, he's also very caring. And I think that's why I relate to him well. And there's that one episode in the one scene where the guy's like, you may want to go change your shoes, and he's just like, go get fucked. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just like, the one thing I do like about Guillermo is that he is a descendant of a vampire killer. (laughs) And I don't just mean any vampire killing. He's a Van Helsing descendant. Yes, exactly. But my favorite character is played by, uh, man, Matt Berry, Laszlo Cravensworth. I just think he's, for me... He's the most well-rounded person. Like, if he, if any of them had to go actually live in the human world, I think he's the one who'd be like, okay, I can do this. He probably would be the only one that could probably pull it off. <laughs> and he kind of does because he's the one who has the, the human friend. <laughs> who tries to sell pillows and fails. <laughs> All right, so uh, on the season five. Oh, my God. Have you you've seen all of the season five episodes so far? No. Nah. What was the uh, most standout-ish scene for you? There's two of them. (laughs) One's so inappropriate. (laughs) That one's just not appropriate. (laughs) I'm assuming you're talking about Laszlo. Yeah. Just go there, man. Just do it. Say it. Just do it. Just do it. Because this is one of my <laughs> yeah, do it. most memorable moments from season five, I guess, do so it. far. So, uh, Naja's doll wants to have human experience and have sex. Uh, her soul, uh, they do like a Freaky Friday thing where Naja and the soul that's in the, in the doll flip. And so they're trying the whole time throughout this episode to try to get the Naja's doll... Uh, sex, get, laid, laid. Right. get her laid, get her laid, get her laid, and uh, by the time it comes to the end, uh, they're like, uh, Naja's uh, doll soul does not want to leave the body, so they come up with a plan to merge <laughs> Colin, Colin Robinson's soul with with Naja's doll soul into Naja's body. And at the end of the scene, at the end of the episode, you see Lazo having sex (laughs) with a doll. With the the doll and Collins Cravensworth all being in one body with Naja's body. And then Lazo saying, how does that feel, Colin? He is so messed up on so many levels. But it's it's okay because that's what's normal now. <laughs> and then I'm not sure what your other one is, but mine would have been like when they, uh, they're talking about whether or not uh, you can have a second vampire try to turn you. But oh, man. what was your uh, other one? I think you've kind of encompassed them all. 
into that one version. <laughs> okay. So the other one then for me was when uh, I think it's like episode two. Guillermo had uh, went to his friend to go be changed into a vampire, and he's not changing fast enough, and so. They went to go see uh, the Baron and the ancient vampire to see if another vampire could try to uh, turn a person into a vampire after already being tried to be turned in by the first vampire. And failed. And totally failed. And, and so they go see the Baron's neighbor, and uh, they have uh, another vampire try to turn the Baron's neighbor into a vampire, which was already a vampire from Baron, and the body just pops and explodes all, all over everybody. I thought that was hilarious. My second one would actually be not that. Okay. It would be with, after conglomerating some things and coming up with it, my other one, it's when Colin Robinson okay. has used <laughs> an old friend, female. Oh, that's a good episode. To get what he wanted <laughs> at work. And then he has to go break up with her. And she is also an energy vampire. And she is just sucking him dry left and right. And it's just like, this is so messed up. That's how women are. <laughs> now, as a woman, uh, the role has been reversed. That's how men are. But nonetheless, she's like, don't leave me. I can never survive if you don't leave me. He's like, okay. And she's like, I'm just kidding go away i'm just draining your energy <laughs> he's like all right she's like, no seriously don't leave me and i was just like oh my god this is so memorable because it's real <laughs> drama so Save the drama for your mama out of all the episodes from all the seasons Oof. and the movie my favorite scene though actually comes from the movie really yes that's pretty impressive so my favorite scene from the movie, uh, or all together, all of it, is when there's like a fight between like the vampires and, and the, the werewolves, werewolves on the roof. On the roof, <laughs> and the vampire has like a little squeaky toy or whatever, and throws it off the roof, yes! and has and the vampire being like part like wolf or dog goes and runs and jumps off the roof to go chase the squeaky and, toy. And that vampire that threw it off the roof was Nandor, the relentless. No, Nando wasn't in the movie. That would have been probably oh. uh, Jermaine uh, Clement as okay. Vladislav. Yes. I, I'm associating it. I yeah. apologize. No, no problem. <laughs> but I think that's probably like my favorite. It's the bulky vampire of yeah. the three. So that's probably my favorite out of all the scenes and everything because that whole, like, it's almost like two gangs going against each other between the werewolves and the vampires and then them playing them like their dogs and stuff like that and seeing them throw, like, the, the squeaky toy off the roof and the one jumps off uh, the roof to go after it. I, I just, I was, like, laughing so hard for, like, five minutes straight. And they're all like, that's cheating! <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, that's a good one. Uh, for me... Man, of all of my favorite scenes, it has to, and I don't know this, I believe it's season four, I don't know what episode, but it's when the Baron has been not only awakened and fried to death by Guillermo, who's bringing in roses, and then <laughs> dug up and brought back to life, uh, but the ancient one is also in it, and they're trying to go find the ancient, basically looks like a goddamn gargoyle. <laughs> And they go to find him in a, uh, a retail superstore. And they're searching for him. And they've got 
the Baron um, was basically a Barbie ride on. And he's like, he is the top half of a torso, (laughs) half of one arm and a face. And he's like, look, I'm steering. I'm directing the car. And no, that was not you. That was Kristen Scott uh, driving the car. And she's just like, God, he's retarded. (laughs) But they go in there and the ancient one is kicking all of their asses. But I just love this fact that the whole time (laughs) the the Baron's on this ride on being controlled by a remote control. And he's like, I got this. Wait, I can talk to him. They're like, you speak the ancient language? He's like, yeah. (laughs) okay and then everything was cool (laughs) meanwhile they almost died (laughs) i i forgot about that that was pretty hilarious just seeing him on the barbie car he's like (laughs) tied on there a torso most of one arm and a head and he's being driven around he's like so great to me and then also the fact that the ancient one um and then following that is when they're running their airbnb <laughs> the beer in the ancient one and that is how they find their lifeblood <laughs> i loved those scenes because i'm like this is how this if it was a truly real species survived yeah why is by being innovative and oh yeah hey look there's this airbnb thing we're just gonna have people come to us to suck their blood <laughs> yeah but i also liked uh i i like the scenes with the baron and the ancient one so like in season uh, in season five and like episode two or what or whatever it was yes when guillermo goes to visit him yes you see the you see the gargoyle ancient one so they're putting together like a like a model house or whatever stuff like that it's I like that a was, lego model house yeah. or something super yeah, complicated I, I, it's it's such a small scene nothing really funny happens in it but that scene though just makes me laugh just seeing the gargoyle so they put together the- right because you just assume he's like a dog yeah <laughs> and then meanwhile the baron continues to regenerate by the way and he was like a fraction of a body <laughs> and now he's like three-fourths of a body i love him he's like yeah i turned my neighbor into a vampire because he kept waking me up during the day from mowing his lawn <laughs> yeah now i can't mow his lawn in the day but that's what I mean. Like, I mean, I'm telling you that advice. That's advice. what I mean. Like, what is innovation? Strategic planning at any job. Something's bothering you. How do you work around it? That is literally what the Baron is doing. Exactly. Uh, anything else we should probably talk about on this? Or when you think about the show in general, what is it you love about it? You know what I really love, I guess, about the show. Uh, about the show here is that. You really have four or five, you know, depending, like, if you're talking about the movie three, talking about the TV series, you have four, maybe five people who are just good friends, living life together, experiencing life uh, through, you know, through whatever, like, turmoils that life he throws at them, but them being vampires. So I think it's just a really novel idea seeing it as like a documentary type of thing of like what it would be like for like four or five, you know, four vampires to live together. Uh, I thought 
the twist of making Robin uh, Colin Robinson a part of it uh, was a great twist compared to the movie because the movie is just three vampires. And I really hope that uh, they do bring in the werewolves again at some point in time because I know they were supposed to do a spinoff or it was just going to be the werewolves too. And they maybe do some like crossovers. Uh, if they ever were to do that, I think it would just make it like that much better of a universe. And I honestly think they should actually do like a, maybe another movie or something because like the series is so great that I think they deserve like a big screen type time uh, once again. I don't disagree with what you're saying, but I do think there is a struggle with making a werewolf spinoff as strong as the vampire spinoff because all, at the end of the day, the werewolf spinoff always goes to their wolves. And wolves are advanced dogs or powerful dogs, and you limit the emotional impact potentially even though you shouldn't, but there are different limitations, even though they might be physically more demanding. Uh, or maybe yeah. integrate, them more, integrate them more into the show. Well, and I, I think another one of the episodes that's great, and I know we're running out of time, but <laughs> is when, well, uh, not Laszlo, but uh, Nandor, the Relentless, Kaivon Novak, has his like fiance that's been on again and off again lover, and then she goes and fucking mates with a werewolf and lets the werewolf turn her, and then he turns her, and she's like a half breed. <laughs> Where's that coming back? Meanwhile, it's just interesting because it's like. There is a piece of vampires or werewolves where where do you bring the emotion in and off? And that's where I think Nadja, Nadja is so imperative in this whole process is she's the female. So you expect her to be the one crying or I shouldn't say this. I don't expect her. One might expect her to be the one that's crying and weak. She is absolutely like the, no, go kill him. No, go do this. No, go do that. And that is actually the real woman in any house, in any family is not okay, not okay, not okay. Whether it's you or someone else, uh, Jesse, you screwed up. Go apologize. Or no, they need to apologize to you. I'm going over there to smack their kid. <laughs> and that is Naja is this super strong female. And... If I walked past her on the street, I'm not saying she's sexy, but in the show, she's sexy as hell. And I love that about the fact that that is real is the show does a nice job of taking very simple people. And I don't mean that any of these characters are simple, but taking characters that are simple looking intentionally from a movie standpoint and making them all sexy because of their personalities. Yeah, it's a, they do a very good job of doing that. All right. Well, if you haven't seen the show, definitely recommend checking it out. It's on, uh, I believe, FX and on Hulu. Uh, and I don't know. Honestly, I think it's, it's a great comedy. Um, I think it's definitely worth the watch. Hell yeah. All right, what is on docket for next week? All right, next week for next week, episode 128. We're finally going there. The uh, best of John Wick. 
Oh, okay. And with that, we this is... The, we didn't do the best of John Wick before? We did John Wick season episode four. Oh. So now we're doing the best of John Wick, but we're complicating it. We're making this so complicated because you and I need to go to a shooting range. All right. And so we've got the best of John Wick, a shooting range experience. And this is what is it like to go to a shooting range experience and what's good or bad about it. And then for the Scotch, the Glen Parkless 105 Highland Single Malt Scotch Whiskey Cask Strength. And with that, the purpose of the cask strength is we're going to a shooting range, bringing guns. We're shooting some rounds, and we're really talking about what is that experience about? What is, what is the purpose? What is it like? What does it feel like before going to at there after? So before you actually arrive, is there anxiety? Is there anything else? Neither of our first times. Then when you're there, anxiety, anything else. Uh, and then after you've left. Excitement, man. I'm ready and reverending to shoot. Right. I, I agree, but... You know, we're going to talk about that for any of our viewers. What is that like? You know, you talk about a John Wick experience and then also like some of the realities. We'll touch base on a few things like, yeah, why do you wear ear protection, eye protection? <laughs> there is a reason because a bullet going off, it's not like it is in a movie. <laughs> no, not at all. John Wick could be deaf. <laughs> Counter-Reeves can still hear. Those were false rounds. So with that, we're doing the John Wick full experience and review of what may or may not be his lineage movie-wise, a shooting range experience. The two of us going together, just having fun, non-competitive, uh, just really going there and like, what, why, why do you go there? Uh, what is the experience like before? There and after, and then, man, the Glenn Farkless 105. Glenn Farkless has not let us down. Uh, uh, not that we love them all, but it hasn't let us down. And until next week, that's it. All right. Well, once again, thank you. If you lasted this long, thank you very much for watching us. Uh, all of our uh, subscribers on YouTube and Rumble, all the people who listen to us on any of the major podcast platforms. Minus uh, iTunes, because for whatever reason, we can't get on Apple. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, thank you again. Uh, have a great night. Other than that, man, remember, life is great. Doesn't mean it's always going to be easy. Easy. But life is great. Uh, easel. Isle. De Verde. The Green Island. Yeah. Not so green. It's puke green. <laughs> I'm not saying don't go. Just uh, just remember the whole experience. And other than that, Ardbeg, Bizarre VQ. Hey, do win. buy that, though. Do go. <laughs> and until next week, remember. Scotchman! Cheers. Don't drink and drive. We hope you enjoyed this evening's episode of Scotch Hour. If you did, please like share and subscribe also if you have not done so already please become a patron member with memberships starting as low as one dollar a month thank you and hopefully you have a wonderful evening